Thank you, Luke and Sabelle, keeping us informed. Again, I want to say we appreciate our veterans and what they have done for our country and what some of them are in active service and doing still to this day. We appreciate you. Uh, if you have this slip, take this out real quick to start the service. Uh, it says in 1 Samuel 17, verse 16, if you know the story of David and Goliath, uh, there was a giant problem that would come out to the people of God. And each morning and each evening, I, w- I want you to catch that. That's why I put this little verse right here on the slip. Each morning and each evening for 40 day- days, Goliath took a stand and made a speech. This is going to go along with my sermon in a minute, but... Um, As we've talked this year about we are blessed in order to be a blessing, Uh, the enemy doesn't want the children of God to walk in their identity of being blessed. Because if we do not walk in our identity of being blessed, we can reason that we don't have enough to be a blessing to other people. Uh, It's a ripple effect. We, We get into problems of thinking, you know, uh, we can't do this because we don't have enough. You, you talk about it. We don't have enough peace. We don't, we don't have enough, uh, love in our lives to be a loving, you know, influence in our community. Um, we're not righteous enough. We've messed up enough and, and so forth. And, and you can just add to that. So I, I want you to write the three problems that right now might be facing you. Uh, in your life. It might be in your family's life. It might be something that is speaking to you um, a, a problem. You know what I'm talking about. Just like in the story of David and Goliath uh, that I will not be even speaking on today, but I wanted to use that as an illustration to start, is that Goliath was trying to speak against the purpose of the people of God in the story. You're not all that. You're not all that. You you don't have the right God. You don't have a God that really is alive at all. And the whole army of God at that time was listening, but there was a little guy called David that showed up that said, what? And began to say, isn't there a purpose? And therefore, we know the story is this little guy goes out and defeats the giant, and thousands of years later, we're still talking about it. Can, can I just start out this message by telling you, some of us need deliverance out of the problems that we are facing that speak against us. But listen, it's just not all about you. There's people that are around you, family and friends and church people and in the community that need you to walk in your identity and to bring peace to a non-peaceful culture that has been created that is not a godly culture. And that, that what I'm trying to say is that everybody seems to just think it's okay to walk in fear, doubt, and unbelief. We don't do that. I know you weren't ready, but being a Pentecostal service in church, you can kind of get involved in, in saying amen or yes, or, you know, so that you, again, it's confirmation in your spirit, that you're agreeing, but also that you're confessing that you believe. So as Christians, we don't walk with the culture of fear, doubt, and unbelief. Amen. We're just not going to do it. We can get into storms, but we know that we're in the storms, and our confession is, oh, we're coming out. It's, it's going to change. So this morning, if you would, if you have this written down, and if, I don't know, you might be somebody that said, I'm just not participating. That's okay. But anyway, if you would, write those down right now. And if you don't have a pen, there should be one in front of you. And uh, because we walk in love, you can always say, can I borrow your pen? And the the answer is yes. (laughs) So just ask somebody, write down the three problems that you're facing right now. And we're going to be entering into this in the message today. Um, I'm going to give you a few minutes, and then we'll we'll talk about that again. So I thought I'd uh, start out with something that I think is funny. 
a, a mother of three boys, and I won't say that they're Luke, Keith, Mark, or Gwen. I won't do that. But their names are Jimmy and James and John. Okay, we'll just name three J's. And their mother was getting older and hard to see, and and uh, they began to talk about giving mom something a little extra this year because of her birthday coming up. And and uh, Jimmy says, you know what, guys, I, I, I bought mom a fancy car. I mean, it's a big car, and she can have a lot of room, and she likes it. I know she's hard to see. Someone can drive around. And and James said, you know what, I, I'm, I bought mom a big house. It was very expensive. It's nice, and moved her in. And John said, you know what, I probably, you know, this year spent more money than you guys on something a little bit different. I, I bought her a, a trained parrot. And because she can't see too good, this parrot can quote the whole Bible. Very expensive. I looked all over the, the country for it and found somebody that could do this. This parrot is amazing. And so I gave it to mom and, and she enjoyed it apparently, but I haven't heard back from her in a couple a couple weeks later, they got a, a letter in the mail. Jimmy, the house that you got me is, is way too big. Thank you, though. James, the car that you bought me, it's a little bit too small. I like it even bigger. Now, John, I want to thank you because that simple gift was the best gift at all. That chicken tasted delicious. Now listen, some people just don't get it. But how many knows that the person that gets it or <clears throat> suffers the most is the person that has the most invested? We, we laugh because we have nothing invested in the parrot that costs so much. But mom forfeited a blessing that could have been hers on this parrot quoting. Now, now this morning, take out this sheet of paper Three problems that you're facing right now. Would you stand with me? We're going to pray. We're going to do kind of a, an object lesson this morning. Something that I hope that you're comfortable with and love your pastor. Just stand with me real quick. Let's pray. Father, these three things that God, that we wrote down. God, we're not confessing that these are our future, but God, we're confessing these are on the way solved in your name. Father, that peace is coming. And as these three problems try to speak to us about our identity and our future, we say no. That God, that you're the answer to these problems. In your name we pray. Amen. Now, wait, wait, wait. Before you sit down, we're going to do something I don't think I've ever done. And I've done a lot of stuff like this, but not like this. I want you to put this in your seat and to sit on it today, okay? Just as an illustration, Pastor, that's crazy. I know you can call me crazy, but let's do something different today as a sign. Just put it in your seat. Go ahead and sit right on it during this message. I'm not going to preach long. I confess that. Now listen, the same thing is that crazy joke that I said today. Some people forfeit, which goes to that, that passage in uh, um, Jonah, I believe it's the first chapter. He says when he's in the well, he comes to the conclusion, what? He says that those that cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. Now, let me give you what I'm hearing him saying. Here he has in a train of thought that he's going, and he doesn't want to go there, and he doesn't want to go to Nineveh. He don't want, but he forfeits God's grace in his life for just being obedient and getting it. The whole wisdom of God and what he's doing. This morning, we as believers forfeit the grace that could be ours by sometimes not walking in the identity that God has given us that we're blessed to be a blessing. Now, as we talk about this last week, and we used Elijah's the illustration, this morning I want to continue this, because when you walk in your identity, and, and again, I, I talk about this a lot because it's so important to the believer. Sometimes you think, 
this is deja vu. I just heard this. Oh, you're going to hear it some more. And the reason is because every day when you get up that we live in, we're not of the world, but we live in the world and the culture around us will speak against who God says we are. And the world that desperately needs us, needs you, will not come in agreement with you until you continue to walk in your identity and bring light to a dark world. It, it, it's an amazing. It's counterintuitive. We talked about creating habits, and a lot of times people will gravitate to the people's habits that are around them just to fit into the group. We don't do that. <clears throat> this morning I want you to see that we live in the blessed, most blessed country in the history of mankind. It's called a first world country. Everybody knows a third world country that lives hand to mouth and in survival. But we don't do that. We will not wake up in the morning and say, today... I wonder if I will eat. We wake up in the morning thinking, I wonder what I will eat today and where. It's a whole different mindset. We live in a blessed country. Walking in that blessing, the first thing that as we receive salvation in our life, what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross and forgiving our sins, he says you're a new creature. But it is that day that we decide is today, huh? The day that we go, you know, someday, someday I'm going to walk in that. Or will we say today is day one? And I will walk in that the rest of my life. God's grace is there for us when we get messed up, when we get off track. But will we say today is day one? Now listen to me. That we are blessed in our health, in our relationships, in our finances. And when we say, well, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not that. Do you, do you realize that even as believers, we have the ability not only to pray for those things coming in our life, but that as we walk those out, even people that are non-believers will say, pastor, or, or, you know, if you're a Christian and you want to pray for me, can you pray for my health or my finances or my relationships? Listen to me. When we begin to understand that the things that we have been given as believers and, and they have manifest in our life, that that is something that people are believing for, that we have believed for, that goes from faith into what, what a spiritual word is, manifestation, something that is not visible to going into visible. Do you remember when you were 15 and you prayed that you would get your driver's license? Anybody besides me? I bothered my parents so much they bought me a golf cart when I was 15 just so I could. That's, that's right. But what do you do when you're 15 and three quarters of an age? You start praying for what? You don't pray for a golf cart. You pray for a car. But do we ever get to the point where we say, God, what I was praying for now became visible. It actually has four wheels. It's the same thing in our life. Sometimes when God manifests, when he puts those things into our prayers, we go, oh, well, everybody has a car. But what we do is then we start, if we're not careful, the culture that we live in, we start complaining about the blessing that God has given. You, you, anybody else seen the prices of gas lately? Yeah, boy, I've seen it. It's going up. How much is it? Dollar ten. That's back when I got my car. I'm not that old. Relax. Now, now this morning, I want to start out by speaking into your identity. And then we'll get into the place where culture speaks against what God has spoken into our life. Watch this. As you're walking out your identity in Christ as a blessing on those people that are around you, there's going to be voices, there's going to be problems that say, you're not all that. Quit that. Quit thinking of that. Watch this. In Ephesians, as you know, that is one of my favorite books, Paul is talking to this young church at Ephesus. 
In the first part, God says that, or Paul says that God has put us in heavenly places, in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. What, what kind of blessing? Every spiritual blessing. And then he picks it up later in chapter two, and it's going to end. I'll just kind of tip my, my hat and tell you what happens. At the end of it, he's going to say, you are God's masterpieces. What? Who? Me? No. I've got a big nose. I've got two small lips. I, I'm too big. I'm too small. I'm too young. I'm too old. We again have heard, therefore we repeat what other people say, says about themselves so that we get in agreement. God, I'm not what you really want. I messed. Now listen, in all love towards you today, I want you to realize that the love of God speaks into your life. You forfeit when you go, God, I'm not that. I know that sometimes we think that it's humility, but it, it's really all it is is fake or false humility of confessing something that God isn't saying about you. Now, now listen to this. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says, We were dead, but God made us alive. You're alive. You're a live believer. God has made us alive, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, listen to this, it is by grace you were you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. He has put us with Christ. Is that not amazing? See, some of us have never heard that, that God has every spiritual blessing in heavenly realms, that Jesus has been seated in a place of high authority and put every name under him. And guess who's sitting right there beside him? You, as a believer. If you're amazed, let your face know it. All right. <clears throat> Verse 7 says, in order that, he's done all that, look at this, in order that in the coming ages, let me wake you up a little bit. We're living in what they were talking about, the coming ages. Sometimes believers are always, well, it's an age that's too, listen to it. In order that in coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace. Everybody say grace. grace. Don't get this mixed up. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not for yourself. It is the gift of God, not by works that no one can boast. Now listen, we understand that when we have faith, that God comes alongside and says, what I did is for you. Why? Because I love you. I love that part. And then verse 10 is my favorite. This is out of the Amplified now, and it says this, For we are his workmanship, his own masterwork of art. Created, thank you, created in Christ Jesus, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used for good works, which God prepared for us, beforehand, taking paths which he set so that we would walk in them, living the good life. Anybody up for the good life? Living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us. Now, if you're honest today, all of us wrote three problems that we're setting on right now. But that does not mean that he still did not prearrange that we might live the good life and he has made ready for us. But what happens is when we focus on those three problems, three problems, three problems, three, the good life that God has brought us and given us all of a sudden begins to be foggy and out of focus. And we lose our attention because we focused on the problems. But God has spoken in your life. Now listen to what culture talks about the person that begins to walk in a new identity of saying, I will not let those problems speak into my life, especially every morning and every evening. 
If, if you're like a lot of people in the morning when you wake up, you face the problem. When things get quiet in the evening, and that's why some people do not want to be by themselves and some people don't want to be quiet because their problems begin to speak to them. We talked about the fact of a, a, a mentality in Australia, and it's called this, cutting down the tall poppy. Do you remember that? A lot of times when you see a field of poppies, flowers, they're all one size, but every once in a while there'll be a tall one that'll stick it head, its head above all the rest. Well, in Australia they have a, a term called cutting down the tall poppy, and it is to criticize somebody that is speaking with confidence. They see that as arrogance. So the culture of Australia, which again, this is my opinion of where this comes from. You realize the origination of the forefathers of the people of Australia were prisoners. I wonder how much over the course of generations that mindset of being a prisoner, you know, you can get the people out of Egypt, but can Egypt come out of them? And here it is that they're saying, what we do in Australia, if anybody tries to be, you know, a place of confidence in their life, uh, and, and they don't come in agreement, we just kind of criticize them back down to everywhere else. You know, that everybody else is the same place. I started researching this, and do you know that this is a common occurrence all over the country, all over the world, I mean. In Japan, they have a similar uh, expression, and it's called, the nail that sticks up gets hammered down. In the Netherlands, don't put your head above ground level. In Chile, this expression is known as, again, I don't speak to Ch 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 Chilean. Chekatir. Chekatir, Chekatir. And it's called pull the jacket. In Scandinavia, the expression is known as the law of Hante. The law of Hante, it originates from a book. The book comes that says, you're not to think you're anything special. Now, as a believer, I, I want to walk you through this again. You say, Pastor, I've heard this so many times. Again, I want to remind you that when you come to Christ and make Jesus your Lord and Savior of your life, there's a transformation that happens. And a lot of people think that, you know, it's kind of like you've got to quit all that before you come to Christ. Christ says, come to me, and I'll take care of all that. And sometimes... The things that God says takes care of, you know, culture says so you got to take care of that. God says, I don't care about that. But when you come into the Word of God and the Word of God becomes part of your DNA and you start living the Word of God out, listen, as a believer, there's a transformation that comes. If you've been in this church for very long, you know that we believe in that, what the Word of God does in our life. That's what Lisa was talking about in her life. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might know God's perfect and pleasing will. What does that mean? Instead of the will of the culture that's around you trying to speak to you. And that culture is usually the problems that are in our life that you're sitting on right now. But when you come to the Word of God and the Word of God begins to be part of you, it changes because all words change your thinking. See, sometimes you'll be around a person that uh, all of a sudden you think, I've kind of become like them. Have you ever been around a negative person that yuck, 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 negative all the time? The sky's falling. All of a sudden you go, yeah, boy, I'll tell you what, they, it's a bad out there. It's bad. I don't believe that. You begin to parrot what is around you. But the words going before you out of the word of God changes our thinking. When your thinking changes, it first of all changes your emotions. Let me tell you, 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 you can hear a lot of people's that life or people's life that has been transformed. And probably the quickest and the easiest thing to identify is their emotions. The emotions are not bad. They're God given, but out of whack, they begin to control our life. What did you say? Huh? Anybody ever been around a person? What did you, all of a sudden, boy, the fight's on. Over what? You looked at me the wrong way. Are you kidding me? Emotional. All the time, something happened. I didn't even mean that, but I don't care. I like to fight. 
No, thank you. But you see somebody that comes to Christ and they really realize something now that's happening in their life and a transformation, all that stuff that used to bother them, it's like taking off a coat and they begin to walk in peace and they begin, I, I don't, well, I know what happened, but it, it it's amazing. When your emotions change, it changes your choices. The word of God will come into your life and all of a sudden, this is what I've always done in the past. I know that I've always got that. I didn't like that. But when I'm in the word of God, I realize now I don't choose what I've always chosen. And I'm getting something different. When your choices change, let me tell you, a lot of times, not not every time, and thank God for his grace in your life and my life. Mercy. But a lot of times, our choices today will determine where we are tomorrow. Choices are very important, even the little choices. When our choices change, our habits change. Habits, just the little things that we wake up every morning and we do as a system to get through life. Our habits change. When our habits change, our character changes. And then our destiny changes. And we get to the place where our destiny, all of a sudden, we're in a different place because our belief system has changed. Now watch this. As a believer, if you can get this, a lot of people don't realize it, but we all have a belief system. And when our belief system is put into place, we we do what? We put ourselves because of a choice in an experience. You believed I don't know the reason, but you believed in coming to church today, it was a good thing. I hope that you leave by making that choice and this experience being a good thing in your life. I've talked about this so many times and it's easy for me to talk to because the person that preaches it gets experienced it every week because it's on that front part of my brain. I could talk on that all day. The belief system that we have and that we choose to make choices out of. But also the thing that a lot of times that we forget is whatever gets our attention determines our direction. I'm going to have lunch with this young couple over here, Christy and Justin, that got married just a few weeks ago. And uh, Justin is doing life. He's doing good. He's got him a new job. But somebody came across his path that got his attention. Hello, dark-headed young lady. How many knows that that focus, that attention changed his direction? That's what happens in your life. It can be something small. It can be something bad. But being in the Word of God, again, being transformed in the renewing of our mind, if you're in a place that you do not know that you're blessed in order to be a blessing, I want you to just quit that. (laughs) Just stop. I want you to start counting the things that God has blessed you with, especially this time of year in Thanksgiving. Because what I do know is if you do not understand where you're at and there's always kind of a cantankerment that's going on in your life, it, it isn't going to happen where we ask you to come up and pray for you that we can lay hands on wrong thinking and it's going to change like that. Now let me tell you, not... God can do anything, so all of you, yeah, I'm with you on that. God can do anything. But for the most part, it's going to take time. So it's a change of direction, right direction, over time will lead you to the right destination. This is so important because as you leave today, something's going to knock on your door, and it's trouble. And it's going to ask you that question. And you remember the question? The question is, who are you? Those problems that you're sitting on will talk to you every day of your life, if you allow them. Now, 
Faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. So you're ready to get a little faith about the problems that you're talking about or what you wrote down. Listen how the word of God can change your destiny by faith. We're going to use an example of the word of God in our life. If you have your Bibles, and and I encourage you to get the notebooks in the back, a pen, write them down. And listen, you might not study this for the next 60 days, but if you can read it one more time in the next seven days and bring that again, that truth back to your mind, what God lays on your heart in the next few seconds. Again, it's a change of direction. Over time, brings you to the godly destination that he's speaking to you. Now watch this. This is a story of Elisha, not Elijah. Elisha is his predecessor of Elijah. I wish his name was Jimmy, and then we wouldn't get it mixed up, but it just didn't work that way. So Elisha is a man of God, and he's doing amazing things. He's he's an amazing man of God. Uh, I could go into his miracles. Just amazing how God has used him. But today is going to be something that I want to use as an example that when the Holy Spirit, different than Elijah or Elisha, both of them, that the Holy Spirit resides in us. Can I say that again? The power that raised Christ from the dead, Ephesians chapter 1 says, lives in you. You're a superhero if you'll allow the voice of God to speak into your life and bless the people that are around you. See, back then, kings would go to war just for the fun of it. And sometimes when we read the Word of God, we begin to lose focus that how horrible war is. One war that will come up later in the Bible, not this one, but a king will go against another king and says, I'm coming against you and I'm gonna, I want you to give me all your gold and silver and all your wives and all your children. War is horrible. The king of Aram is going to set up an ambush against the king of Israel. But here's a man of God that hears the voice of God. Let me hear you. Let me say, let me say this. Let us hear the voice of God in our life. That's what Elisha is doing. And he says, tell the king that the enemy is encamped right there. So every time the enemy is set up little camp ready to go against the king of Israel, the king of Israel doesn't go that way. And it makes him so mad, the the enemy, that he says, okay, who is in our team of people that is a traitor and they're telling the king of Israel where we're going to be? And one of his officials says, there's a guy that's a man of God. And he tells the king of Israel where we will be. Now watch this. The enemy gets so mad. I mean, if he was the Hulk, he would turn green and, you know, blow up. The Bible says that he gets an army of men and he sets out for Elisha. One man. That's the power that resides in you and me. And the Bible says that he surrounds the city where Elisha is. They're going to get him. But here's what's unexpected that I want you to hear. It says that when the servant of Elisha goes outside and he looks, he sees all the enemies surrounding the city, and he says what you and I typically do when one of those problems that you wrote down this morning that you're sitting on takes place in our lives. And he says this, Oh, no, my Lord, what shall we do? Elisha knows what to do. And the reason is, is because he is allowing God to work in his life. Now listen to me, because if you, if you miss this, you miss the sermon. He says, God, I'm going to ask you to open up the eyes of my servant so he can see what I'm looking at. How many people have read this story before or heard about it? Let me see your hand. Real good. Okay. 
Okay, now watch this. You've been in church a while, but have you ever put yourself in a place where you've asked for God to open up your eyes in in the supernatural unseen world? I don't know. Do you want to see in the unseen world? See, we all think it's going to be exciting to see angels and... And what the servant sees when he opens up his eyes, it says, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha, all around the enemy. Here's the title of this message. What has you surrounded? God has the enemy surrounded. Think about it. Think about it. Some of you wait on it. What seemed to be impossible, God allows the servant, what Elisha's already seen, to become visible. See, what we can see are the three problems that you wrote down that you're sitting on this morning. We can see those in vivid color. But I'm here to tell you, The enemy that has you surrounded, God says, I've got it surrounded. Have you ever watched some of those old westerns where somebody has the drop on somebody? Stick them up! And then you start laughing because the guy that's getting stuck up has a friend that's behind the outlaw. And says, no, no, (laughs) stick them up. You stick them up. This morning, in all encouragement, as you walk as a blessing, the enemy will come into your life morning and night and speaking, I've got you surrounded, just quit talking with that confidence in your life. I want you to begin speaking out of your mouth what I tell you. And that is that you're finished. This morning, in all the negative situations that hit us, and let me tell you, God says in the Word of God, don't be surprised when trouble comes, but I have delivered you from them all. Elisha has said to the servant, Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those that are with them. Have we heard of about a verse that sounds like that to us as New Testament believers? That says, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. I love this story because every time that I look at a problem of mine and I think, God, I I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't know how I'm getting out. I don't know why I'm in this. God says, I got this. The fact was the enemy had them surrounded. But the truth that trumps fact that will soon become a fact in Elisha and the servant's life and the people of God's life is that God had the impossible. Now it's possible. Can can I get, let me say it again to be more clear. One man and his servant cannot defeat a whole army that is surrounding him. That's a fact. But the truth that trumps the fact that will become the fact is that the people of God, including the servant, will come to grips with God can surround the enemy and defeat him no matter how big he is. Do you understand that it doesn't make sense until God shows up and says, I specialize in things that don't make sense. See, as a believer, you're walking out your life and you get those little ankle biters that come all the time. You know, this week a tire sensor went out in my truck and I'm like, what in the world? My truck's too new to have a tire sensor. Anybody have all those little ankle biters where, you know, you, you have a flat tire or, you know, your phone breaks or all? Anybody beside me? But what about those big things where somebody comes and says, whatever, in your life? 
a problem of finances, maybe debt, maybe an addiction that is speaking to you over and over that's a huge problem that you're going, God, I can't see a way out. God says, I've got a way. Now watch this. When God is surrounding what is speaking against who God says you are, let, let me just encourage you. Speaking against your purpose? Well, Pastor, I'm not for sure what my purpose is. Some of you will say that. Here's what I'm saying is, you're blessed to be a blessing. You're, you're blessed. Listen, you're forgiven. So here's your purpose. Forgive others. You're loved. Well, well, I don't know. It's not a matter if you, God says, I love you. Therefore, you're blessed. You can love somebody else. You're forgiven. You're loved. Let me tell you, when you begin to walk in this, and whatever's speaking against your purpose, th this understanding keeps you in peace that he is greater than he that is against me. It's reminding yourself. Have you ever read the book of Psalms? If not, let me give you a chapter to read. 118. Here's David. And David had a ton of problems in his life. But David had to remind himself, and a lot of times he would write it down and sing it. You know, I, I told you that I'm, I'm learning a new language. And some of you, this speaking faith out of your mouth is like a new language. But what I found out that I'll give you illustrations in the future is it's progressing. It is hard. It's hard. Our teacher says, you don't learn Spanish by thinking English. You can't speak faith by the culture that if it was anti-faith in your life. Can I tell you how hard it is? To feel like your little kid again, learning another language. De bo si. Uve luve. See, some of you don't know Spanish. <laughs> Sorry, I just said that. Some of the alphabet. You begin to act like a little child. And that's what the Bible says about faith. It is like becoming a little child. I, there's, can you, t can you imagine how many people in the world said the world is flat? It's a proven fact that the world is flat. The day Christopher Columbus sails around the world, it, well, I never said that. I never said the world was flat. You probably couldn't get anybody to admit it. Because now what was said as common knowledge is known as wrong. Be careful what comes out of your mouth of getting an agreement with something that God says, that's not who you are. Let me say this in Psalms 118. Listen to the words. Allow your soul, your mind, your will, and emotions to take part of this. Psalms 118 says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Anybody... Disagree with that? I didn't think so. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. How long? Forever. Let Israel say his love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say his love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say his love endures forever. Let all those people sitting at 4101 Golden Triangle say... <coughs> you guys were listening. When hard-pressed, if you listen to this, I'm going to just send He says things like, when you're hard-pressed, when it's better to take refuge in the Lord, all the nations surround me, all these negative situations, all these things are surrounding me. But God is surrounding my circumstances. Here's what he says. He says, shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. That's your tent. So you have a decision of what's going on in your house. Children of Israel going in, the giants are too big for us to go in. What it says is they murmured in their tents. Don't be a murmur. Complainer. Murmur, 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 murmur. The sky's falling. The enemy has me surrounded. Don't be a murmur. In your house is shouts of joy and victory. It says the Lord's right hand has done mighty things. I will not die, but live. You're going to die. No, no. I'm not going to die. I'm going to live. The diagnosis is not the final say over my life. And I will proclaim what the Lord has done. Again, a testimony. 
Let me give you one other story, and it's a short story because most of you are familiar with it, and then we'll end today's message. It's a story about three Hebrew children. They're teenagers. A lot of them think, a lot of people think, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abilagot. Bendigo. Just seeing if you're with me. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abendigo. They are they are young, upcoming. I mean, they're doing everything right. I mean, they're they're man, they're they're movers and shakers in the country. But something has happened, and it's a problem. And it's a problem that tries to speak into their life that they have to serve and worship the king by bowing down to his idol when it comes by them. Now listen, this is something that a lot of Christians would go, it's no big deal. Listen, what is it that's a problem in your life? Maybe because you've said, that's not a big deal that turned into a big deal. So what they said is, we're not going to bow down. The king becomes furious. I always think of this as kind of comical, the most powerful. He's so furious that these three guys aren't going to do this. They go get them, and he says, is this true? And they said, we are not going to bow down. He says, our God, Shadrach, Meshach, our God will not, or he will rescue us. But listen, then the, the point of faith comes. But even if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow down. See, what I'm talking about is the ripple effect is when you get to the place of walking in your identity that you go, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to allow what is speaking over my life to be the, the mover and shaker of what I do. But here, here's the thing, is you're believing for God to come into your life, but when it's so much faith that you go, even if he does it, I'm still not going to. It's a whole nother level. The Bible says that they throw them in a fiery furnace. These are things that Mark's going to bring out in his Old Testament uh, Sunday school class that's meeting on what night? Monday night. Monday school. Monday night school. Not Sunday school. Monday night school. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are thrown into the fire. And just to, again, give me give you a little history part of it. It says that it's so hot that the men that throw them in get killed because it's so hot. The Bible says this that I wanted to bring out today. The king is mad, throws these guys in to kill them. They are, it's so hot that the men that throw them in die. And when he's looking in, he jumps up, it says, in amazement, and says these words. Listen to these words. These words are for you. These words are going to speak over what you're sitting on today as problems. Here's what he says. Didn't we put three men in the fire? But I see four men in the fire. And one of them is like the son of God. Now, this gets goosebumps on me. Those three young men, it doesn't say that they saw the fourth man walking around in there with them. But the enemy that put them in there said, I see a fourth man. What I'm talking about today, and I've been talking about when you walk in your identity, it's not all for you. It's as a testimony of the people that are around you, especially your children that are going, I don't know if I'm going to follow the ways of mom and dad. But when they look at your life, and God has put you to a place that one day they'll realize there's no way you got there. It's kind of like a turtle on a fence post. Somebody had to help him up there. He didn't get it there by himself. And, and and people around you go, I know that guy. He's not that smart. How did he get there? It's the grace of God in your life that has made us alive. That that goes back to that Ephesians chapter 2, that he, that we are his master. Would you walk in that? Well, pastor, I'm not. Quit that. Let me quote this one passage and then we're doubt. I promise. This is probably one of my favorite passages, which I have a lot of them. Isaiah 30, verse 18. Lisa and I love this one. And therefore the Lord earnestly waits. Picture this, okay? Paint the pictures I'm speaking. 
And therefore, the Lord earnestly waits. He's expecting and he's looking and he's longing to be gracious to you. Would you stand with me? I'm going to continue to read this, but I want you to take what you've been sitting on and hold it in your hand. And therefore, the Lord earnestly waits, expecting, looking, and longing to be gracious to you. And therefore, He lifts Himself up. Can you, can you see the creator of the universe that lifts Himself up? That He may have mercy on you and show loving kindness to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Now, now then it speaks about you. Blessed. Happy, fortunate, to be envied. By who? Those people that are not believers. Are all those who earnestly wait for Him, who expect and look and long for Him, for His victory, His favor, His love, His peace, His joy, and His matchless, unbroken companionship. The Holy Spirit living inside of the believer reminds them of the, the grace that God has for them. Don't, don't, don't forfeit. Don't forfeit the grace that could be yours because you're clinging to a culture that says it can't happen. Let, let me edit a little funny. Don't eat the parrot and think it's a chicken. You're, you're missing it. That the grace that could... Let's end by holding up the three problems in your life. Let's pray. Father, you see these. Father, I, I call them finished in your name. You have them surrounded. God, I, I pray for the retail building, that God, that we find a tenant, that that problem is finished in Jesus' name. God, I pray blessings on axiom. That not just enough, but more than enough comes in in the finances. That we can be a, a, a blessing to the community. Father, all the problems that the enemy continues to speak into our life, morning and evening, trying to talk us out of your peace, God, we say we will not bow our knee. Because God, you are God and what has us surrounded, God, you have it surrounded. And God, you're still on the throne and you're looking, expecting, longing to be gracious to us. And God, we say thank you for that. It's nothing that we've done. But God, being your children, we say thank you, Father. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. This morning you have come to church for a reason. And I hope that reason was that you heard the word of God and you have. Allow it to change your life as you leave right now. Amen. See you next Sunday. <coughs>